You know, if if we really don't hear from Christ on a Sunday morning, we have absolutely wasted our time. It is pointless. We might as well just be like the Elks or something. I'm not bashing you. You know what I'm saying. Just the club. We're here to hear from the living God who still speaks. Albert Moeller has a great book called He Is Not Silent. I would encourage you to read it. God still speaks today. Before we begin, I, I want to really encourage you to come next Sunday to our fellowship Sunday. I want to encourage you to come to Sunday school to hear the ministry of the Hoving Home. Um, encourage you to stay after church to have dinner, uh, lunch with us. Um, but I also want to take a minute to just address what has happened in our our nation this week. Many of you know that Roe versus Wade has been overturned, and thank God for that. That's right. But that means the work really just begins. It's not over. You know, there's a victory, yes. What do we do now? Okay, so our nation is now no longer sanctioning the slaughter of unborn babies. Um, But our state is. It's state rights, right? And if you're a constitutionalist, that's the way it really should be. What do we do as believers now? Praise God, we got to, and then move on with life? I'll tell you what we need to do now, church, since we partner with Lighthouse Pregnancy Center, now's the time to really support Lighthouse Pregnancy Center. Now's the time to really, on our knees in prayer, pray for the protection of the facilities of Lighthouse Pregnancy Center, to pray for the protection of the women who work in those facilities. Isn't it ironic that the people who are saying they have no women's rights are actually threatening women? (laughs) You know, there's no logic in any of this. They're going to need the funds. You're going to need the help. The battle has just begun. Let's not fall short. Let's not back off now. Send a note of encouragement to Debbie Provincial. We're praying for you. We're behind you. Send it to the staff of Lighthouse Pregnancy Center. They, they are literally on the front lines on this decision right now. And God has called us to be partners with them. And thank God we are, because what a great organization it is. Um, it's not just about saving babies, which is what it is, but they care about the whole person. They care about the child beyond birth. Um, so... Keep that in mind. Yes, it's a great victory. Yes, God has done something uh, um, here, but the work has just begun. Let's take a moment, actually, and pray for all of this before we even begin to hear from God's word. Father, we do come to you. Thankful, Lord God. Thankful that on a national level, It is illegal to slaughter unborn babies. And Lord, I know that that comes with a lot of emotion for many women. It's a very, it is a complicated issue. And may we never take that uh, away. It is, for many women, a complicated issue. It's not just a black and white issue as we may see it. And so, Father, I pray that first you forgive us for being uncompassionate in it and help us to be compassionate going forward 
to really see, as James says, that what good is it, brothers, if someone comes into you as poor and need of food and clothing and you tell them, be well fed and warm? It does nothing. Well, that we would come alongside Lighthouse Pregnancy Center and we would be willing to give up our time and our resources to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We pray for their protection, Lord God. I pray for the protection of their facilities. We've heard around the country that these clinics are already being uh, even burned. We ask, Lord God, for the protection of Lighthouse Pregnancy Center. We ask for the protection of the women and, and, and the men who do work there, Lord God. That you would keep them safe, Lord. I pray that if anybody would come to do harm to any of their facilities, Lord God, they would see, as, as uh, the story of an old uh, missionary in China said, he wasn't come against because they saw men in white walking around. Your holy angels would guard their facility, would guard our church also, Lord God. I pray that you give Debbie great wisdom. Great understanding in these times, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that the name of Christ would be all the more glorified. That people would come, young women and young men, families would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ through the ministry of Lighthouse Pregnancy Center. We thank you, Lord God, that we have been given the privilege to partnership with them. And so, Lord, we ask that you do this for one thing and one thing only. For the glory of the name of Christ. Amen and amen. Well, we're going to talk about partnership in the gospel today. Partnership in the gospel. Paul, writing to the church in Philippians, we began our series last week in Philippians, talked about um, the servanthood, being a servant, being a saint, grace and peace. And now he lauds their partnership in the gospel. Our text today is found in Philippians chapter 1. I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles or turn on your phone or your tablet or whatever it is nowadays that we have. And you would stand with me as we would read from the book of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. This is what God says to us today. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you because about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may be you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
We'll see here today three things, prayer, partnership, and prayer. Paul begins with prayer, talks about the partnership, and says, this is my prayer for you. Prayer, partnership, and prayer. Paul says, this is my prayer. He goes, when does Paul pray? He says in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. When I think about you, when I remember you, I pray for you. Do we think about and remember people in our prayers? I hope that we do. We should be praying for one another. Let me, let me maybe might sting a little bit. But how many of us, if we were to look around this room, could say, I know your name. How many of you have been coming to church together for years, decades even here, and you don't know the people's names here in the church? You may see each other at Walmart. Hey, how are you? Yeah, yeah, you know. And brother, thank God for the term brother and sister, right? Because it covers a multitude of sins, right? We should strive to get to know one another. We are God's family. We're Saints, ones who have been called out. We are different and separate from the world. Do we know each other? So that I can pray, so that you and I can pray for one another in every remembrance of you. Does God know your name? Yes. Does it help if I pray for, with somebody's name? Absolutely. Always use the expression, give a a name to a face, right? Paul says, I pray for you in my remembrance of you. Paul is saying, I am actively thinking about you. And I am actively praying for you. How does he pray? He says, always in every prayer of mine for all of you, making my prayer with joy. He joyfully prays for the church in Philippi. Do we joyfully pray for each other? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Joy should be a characteristic of the Christian. He prays with joy. He is thankful. He is happy. I guess the question would be, are you glad that you know each other? Have I made your life better? Have I improved your life? Do I bring joy to your life or am i that person and i probably am for most people that you see in the hall we go oh no we have joy we'll be glad to see one another what's the highlight of your week for many it was your child's graduation a highlight don't want to take away from that But is one of the joys of your week coming together to worship with the saints in Christ Jesus? I hope it is. And so then I want to throw a challenge out to you. Why don't you start coming to evening service too? Does it make you more holy? No. But is it the Lord's Day? Yes. 
Sinclair Ferguson says, says this, and I, whether it's true or not, I, I don't know, but I think it has some sort of credence. He says the true test of the church is the attendance of the evening service. Just to, something to put out there. He says when he prays, he says how he prays, and he says why he prays. This is why I pray. Verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Your partnership in the gospel. Your participation with me. Gordon Fee, in his commentary, writes this. He says, Paul, after all, rarely thanks God for things. His thanksgiving are for people. For those special gifts whom God has brought into his life. Who, despite whatever frustration or grief they may also cause him, are invariably a source of great joy and thanksgiving. Do you view the people, the Bible Baptist Church, as a source of great joy and thanksgiving? Do we pray that way? I mean, let's, uh, you know, I, I, you could, I guess, reasonably say, well, Pastor, this is, that, this is your job towards us. I'm supposed to pray with joy for you, and I'm supposed to in my remembrance, and that's true. But we're really, we're supposed to do it for each other. He thanks God for their partnership, partnership in the gospel. Look at what it says again in verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day up until now. The word partnership, as you may know, is koinonia. It means fellowship, communion, association. And it's not like, you know, I referenced uh, uh, the Elks. I've, I've, I've never been to the Elks. I don't, I, I don't know anything about the Elks. Not besmirching them in any way. But this is something far greater. The church is something far greater. It is a fellowship. It is a knitting together of. It's in unity with one another. It's not that we just come and go and, and really should have nothing to do with each other for the rest of the week. It's a joining together. It's a fellowship. It's a partnership, he says, in the gospel. Surrounded by one central thing. You know, you can get look. Listen. Look at the TV commercials. Look at the news of how people are united in abortion rights. United. A common cause. It's a wrong cause, no question about it. But how are we united in the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we so united together in this? Guess what? If we really don't even know each other's names, we're not united in the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just a fact. I've never been in war. I've never been in military. But I would imagine if you were to ask the men in our church who have been, I bet they knew everybody in their battalion or squad or whatever. I bet they knew their names. Would that be a fair statement, Dan? Because you were counting on them. You were there for a common cause. We're in a war, spiritual warfare, that is far greater than any conflict that America's ever been in. And again, not to take away from veterans or anything, but you understand what I'm saying. 
How committed are we? Are we in partnership? The gospel, the good news, what is the good news? That Jesus Christ is reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. That's the good news of the gospel. Paul says, I thank God for you and every member of me, and I pray with joy always because of your partnership in the gospel. And you know what's the result of that? I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I believe that is a a verse that we may often misquote. In the immediate context, what is Paul saying by this? Your partnership in the gospel from the first day, from the first day I walked into Philippi, when I met Lydia and the, the, Philipp, the Philippian jailer, I almost said Filipino. Did you see that? That's how many. <laughs> uh, the uh, Philippian jailer, those came to Christ and God began a good work. So it was from that day up until now, your partnership in the gospel, and because of your commitment to and your partnership in the gospel, I am confident of this, that the work that God began here in Philippi, in the spreading of the gospel, the good news, and all of it, God's going to bring it to completion. God's going to bring the gospel to completion. Now, it is also true, loved ones, that in your personal life, if you are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, What he began, and the emphasis is on what Jesus has done, not what we've done. Because the only thing that I bring to the table concerning the gospel is what? My sin. That's it. That's all I bring. Jesus covers it. Through the power of the Spirit, empowers us to go out and live according to the gospel and to share the gospel. He will empower us, and he will bring us to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. The question to ask ourselves is, what day am I living for? What day are you living for? There should be a day that we live for. The day of the return of Jesus Christ. That's the day that's going to matter for all humanity. Because when Jesus Christ comes back, it says he's going to judge men's hearts. That's the great white throne judgment. When Jesus returns, he separates the sheep and the goats. Those on his left and those on his right. Where are you going to be? What day are you living for? What day am I living for? We're in Christ Jesus. And we're committed to the partnership of the gospel. Jesus will bring us to completion. On the day of Christ Jesus. Do you have that confidence today? The days are getting more and more evil. Jesus told us as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in days when, to when the Son of Man returns. You look at the world and say, how much worse could it get? Apparently a lot worse. And if we stand in partnership with the gospel... We know this, it's going to bring suffering with it. People go, oh man, oh you love Jesus? That's great, good for you. Oh wait, Jesus says that the way I live is wrong and I won't go to heaven? 
off with your head. That's essentially what they said to Paul. It's not going to bring the goodwill of men. It doesn't mean we shrink back. It means we press forward because Jesus tells us in the book of Hebrews, by your endurance you will save your life. Endurance, steadfastness, characteristics of God himself. We need to be steadfast in the partnership of the gospel. Not backing down, standing for what is right. Living a life that is pleasing to God. God will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. We'll have no worries and no fears. Because when the Lord returns for those who are in Christ Jesus, it's going to be the best day. Paul says in verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Notice what he says here. I hold you in my heart. You are really special to me. You have anybody you hold in your heart? When you think about them, you get that, oh, man, right? Or maybe it's a, oh, so-and-so. I just, you know, we hold them in our hearts. It might be our dog that you hold in your heart. You know, we can hold a lot of things in our heart. Dogs are a good thing to hold in your heart. So are kids and people, right? But do you hold something in your heart? Do you hold a person in your heart? Paul says, I hold you. You occupy a special place in my heart. Because you are partakers with me of grace. Well, we all have the grace of Christ if we're in Christ Jesus. But what kind of grace is he talking about? Look at what he says. Partakers of me in grace in my imprisonment. That doesn't sound very graceful, does it? Wait. How are they partakers with Paul in his imprisonment? Because they cared for his needs while he was in prison. Roman prison wasn't like the American prison system. But they, the Roman prison, if somebody didn't bring you food and take care of you, you think Rome cared about you? No way. They supplied his basic needs. He says, you are partakers of me in the grace. And Paul considered it a grace to be in prison because as Christ suffered, he said, I suffer. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. It was the defense and the confirmation of the gospel that landed Paul in prison to start with. He says, you didn't, you didn't back away. When things went bad, when things looked bleak, you didn't back away. Don't we have a special place in our heart for those who stick with us through the bad times? When the sun's not shining, that person was there. They stood by me. They didn't give up on me. In my imprisonment, the grace of being in prison, and the grace of defending and confirming the gospel. Defending it to outsiders and confirming it in the way that we live. 
He says, I hold you in my heart. That means that Paul has purposely made a decision about the people of Philippi. Again, Gordon Fee writes this. He says, in biblical understanding, the heart refers to the deepest center of human consciousness, the seed of both the will and decision-making as well as as of the emotions. There was an emotional part to Paul saying, I hold you in my heart. This is, I have purpose to hold you there. It's my will because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. In the good and in the bad, you have stood by my side. Remember what Paul said in writing to Timothy. He says, he goes, when I was in, at one point when I was in prison, he goes, nobody came to me, but the Lord stood by my side. He says, you stood by my side. I hold you in my heart. It wasn't just a who. Oh, the Philippians. Oh, I just love the Philippians so much. Oh, we just love Paul so much. Those are okay. But those are fleeting. Don't we know that from high school? Oh, I love, I love her forever. 30 years later, I don't even know where she is anymore, right? That's just the way emotions go. Emotions are horrible indicator of how things really are. Paul says in verses 8 to 11, he says, For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. These are great words. Yearn. Epitheo. Epiotheo. I long for, I desire, I have a deep affection for. I have a yearning, he says, a a yearning, an affection, spelanchnon, inward parts, literally the guts. Now, we probably are familiar with that, especially when we had those, oh, I just love her so much. Where did you feel that love so much? In your guts, didn't you? Outside, did Maybe I'm the only one that's, you know, right? Maybe, you know, at the times when you were young and you were laying in your bed and you couldn't sleep because you were thinking about her. Led by you, because, but I have a yearning, a deep desire, deep in my inward parts for you. This was a deep longing, an affection, a partnership that was ingrained in Paul for this church in Philippi and them for him also. And do we have that kind of affection for one another? Better yet, could we ask ourselves, Do I have that kind of affection for Christ? Do I really have a yearning and a longing for Christ? Is our prayer one thing I ask, O Lord, this one thing I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and that I may gaze upon your beauty? We struggle with that, don't we? I ask God for a lot of things. To be honest, that doesn't make always the top ten. God, let my let my gas last in my truck an extra week. God, 
You know, I went fishing yesterday morning. God, let me catch a lot of fish. God, let me... Things that are not bad to ask for. But do I ever ask and have a yearning and an affection for Christ in my inward parts? It's in our inward parts that we're supposed to hold things, by the way. That's where truth is to be, in our inward parts. So much part of us that, 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 that it, it, it is foundational, as, as the psalmist writes in Psalm 51, 6. Behold, you delight in truth, where? In the inward part. In the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. It's within the heart, the inward parts that defines us. It, it, it's where our character really is. How do we know that? Just by listening to somebody. Jesus tells us in Luke 6.45, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the inward parts, what the mouth speaks. That's why it's far better just to be quiet. What's the old saying? It's better to be thought wise than open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? Paul says, this is our partnership. The result of partnership is that I have these feelings for you. We need to partner. and have. I can't have a partnership with somebody unless there's a deep affection and a desire for. Right? Do you want a partnership with somebody you can't stand? Makes no sense. We're supposed to love one another with a deep love of Christ, with brotherly affection. Bible tells us very clearly that in the end, before, before Christ returns, and when he returns, I don't know and neither do you. But we will be the only family that we have. It's just going to be us. You don't want to start building that trust. And Then, build it now. That's why I encourage you to come out next Sunday. Come out to the fellowship. Come out to evening services. Come out to everything we can. I get it. We have kids. We have five kids. I was at sporting events. There's times I wasn't at church. I get it. We can't be at everything. But I'm just encouraging loved ones to all the more. Try to make it more than what it is now. I'm not beating it. Please, please, I'm not trying to. I'm trying to encourage you. Because, you know, the Bible tells us that we should discern the times. We need, to bend, we need to be like the men of Issachar. Remember when David's kingdom was in trouble? And it said the men of Issachar knew the times and knew what Israel should do. We need to be like that. The gospel for the sake of the gospel. Then Paul says, because of this partnership, this is my prayer. So we go from prayer to partnership to prayer. He says, and this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. There's a lot in there that he prays for. He goes, this is my prayer for you. You know what? 
what is absent here? I'm sure he prayed for it. Was financial well-being. He doesn't do I don't see that in there. Is that not? It's important. I, I pray for your financial well-being. I pray. I hope you pray for mine. But it's not everything. He says, I'm going to pray for what's really, really important. I'm going to pray that your love, love, agape, brotherly love, charity, the love of God for man and of man for God, the highest form of love, that that would abound more and more, abound more and more. Not that you say, well, I love you. No, have it abound, grow more and more. But he says, in this way. And this is really your love for God. He's talking about their love for God. Because if I love God correctly, I can love you correctly. You love God correctly, you can love me correctly. He says that I pray that your love for God would abound more and more. How? With knowledge. Epigenosis is the word. Full knowledge. Certain knowledge. Knowledge and discernment. To have the capacity, as a thesis, to have the capacity to perceive clearly and hence to understand the real nature of something. What's Paul saying here? I'm praying that your love for God would be based in reality. On what God says about himself. Not what you think about God. Not what you want to believe about God. That you would be uncompromising in God's word. That you would really want to hear what God says. That you, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. In other words, don't let your love for Jesus just be emotional. I come from a background where that was the case. It was emotional. People were wrecks, never having peace, having fake joy, never getting anywhere with the Lord. R. Kent Hughes writes this in his commentary in Philippians. He says, we must understand that Christian love is never a matter of sentimentality. Christian love comes from a work of the Holy Spirit bringing the revelation of Christ through the Word of God. And the more you are in the Word, the more your knowledge of God and Christ will increase. And the more your love will overflow. All the Scriptures speak of Christ. And each new thing you learn of Him will become a fresh reason for loving Him. Knowledge and discernment. Where does it come from? It comes from God. It comes from the study of God's Word. And that's why I would encourage you, come tonight. Come Wednesday nights. Come to community groups. Let's grow together in our partnership with the gospel. He says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and discernment. But then he says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. He says that you may approve. Doikimazo is the word. To regard something as genuine or worthy on the basis of testing. 
In other words, he's saying to them, says, that you would test and see that what God says in his word is actually true. Taste and see, essentially, that the Lord is good. If you apply yourself to the study of God's word, the true study of God, try to do it as unbiased and just look at the, what the word, why do you think we bring out Greek and Hebrew? Because God, this is what God says. Again, as Gabe said, I don't want to hear the word of Eric. You don't want to hear my word. Trust me, you don't. I want to hear what God says. I wonder James says those who speak for God, they, they, you, you better make sure you're speaking for God because on the day of Christ Jesus, it's not going to go well if you're speaking for yourself. To regard something as genuine or worthy on the basis of testing. I'm telling you, the more you grow in your knowledge and understanding of God's word, the more lovely Jesus becomes, the more real he becomes, the more trustworthy he becomes, the more you say, I am planting myself in this camp. Absolutely is true. That you may approve what is what? Excellent. Diaphero. That you may prove what is more excellent, more valuable than. You say, you know what? This is good, but this would be better. This is what's best for me, for my family, for my church, and for God's kingdom. Not just passing by. Not just, you know, the minimum work required, but prove what is excellent. So that you would be what? Listen to what he says. Pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. That is the day in which you want to be ready for. It is a day in which you cannot wait to tomorrow. You can't say, ah, oh, I'll clean it tomorrow. Right? I can say it about, about my, listen, my garage. Ah, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. We can't be like that in our spiritual life. We need to be cleaning our house. Clean out your spiritual garage. Do what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus, it says, is going to come back in full shining glory. Hearts are going to be exposed. There's no escaping when Jesus returns. You know, only Jesus is so big and so holy and so great that the entire world at the same time is going to see Jesus return. Right? You know that it's it's nighttime on the other half of the world right now. You know, when Jesus returned, it's going to be daytime in the entire world. Nobody's going to escape. Pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. Again, the idea of living for one day. I want to be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. So if I choose to live pure and blameless, I choose what is excellent through my knowledge and discernment Growing in my love for God through the study of his word, I prove what is excellent. It makes me pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. We are to strive to be pure and blameless. Hebrews twelve fourteen says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Just a few months ago, 
right up on Summit Ave, uh, just before you turn to go to Home Depot there, there was a lady standing on the sidewalk, and she had on cardboard written this verse. And all she did was just stand there like this. I thought, wow, that's the message the world needs to hear. For holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You do that because you want to be, look what else he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Again, the work of Christ, not my own work. I can be a good boy or girl up to a point. What if it's Christ in me? Because I'm growing in wisdom and discernment in my study because of my love for God, striving to be pure and blameless, I will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Why does it come through Jesus Christ? Because this is Jesus Christ. This is all he tells us about himself. Nothing new is going to be told us. Nothing. You know when we may learn new things? And we will probably learn new things? When we're in heaven. Then I'll begin to learn new things because I can comprehend them. I can handle them then. The fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. What is the fruit of righteousness? Well, obviously, it's going to be the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. God doesn't get angry about those things. God doesn't say, oh, God says yes and amen. He says that you would do all of these things. My prayer is that you would grow in this knowledge, that you would have wisdom and discernment and love for God in your partnership with the gospel for one reason, to the glory and praise of God. To the glory and the praise of God. What is the chief end of man? What's the chief end of man, Mr. Sebado? Amen. That's what the catechism says, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The loved ones, what's our prayer? What's our prayer? Do we pray with joy for one another? Are we really in partnership with the church? Is our prayer that our love would abound more and more in knowledge and discernment so that we as individuals and collectively as a church would be able to prove what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus for the glory and the praise of God alone? If our love for the church is just superficial, that won't happen. R. Kent Hughes says this also in his commentary, and we'll, we'll close with this. Remember this. A superficial love for God is a sure sign of a superficial knowledge of God. A superficial love for God is a sure sign of a superficial knowledge 
of God. That's exactly what Paul prayed. The church in Philippi would not have. They would not have a superficial love, but a deep, abiding love in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need it all the more in the day in which we live, a crooked and perverse generation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the church. Thank you that you are building your church. It's your church. Help us, Lord, to be faithful stewards of your church. Lord, grant us to grow in wisdom and knowledge, discernment. Help us to prove what is excellent. Help us, Lord God, to strive to be blameless on the day of Christ Jesus. For your glory and for your glory alone. Amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song. Wait, where'd Gabe go? There he is. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you all.